Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Digital Tiny Room. I am your co-host for the podcast, Michael, and I am digitally here once again with Benjamin. Benjamin, say digital hello, hello. Digital hello, hello. Very good. Um, You're back in Italy, Ben. Yes, it's far less claustrophobic outside of the tiny room now. Yes. We're not not piled upon or, or besieged upon by Transformers action figures. I don't know if you necessarily need to say action figures when you say Transformers. Well, just in case someone thinks the Transformers are real and they're hiding in your tiny room. Ah, which is exactly what they would do, being as they are robots in disguise. They are, or and your, your tiny room is a perfect place to disguise themselves. Ben, when I was a child, I always believed it was robots in disguise, as opposed to as the ground. <laughs> Dis- that's a very disguise. Dublin... That's a very Dublin uh, misunderstanding. Very it Dublin misunderstanding. But see? Ben, if you'll watch the opening credits to Transformers, the first series, it actually goes Transformers, robots in disguise, as the characters are flying through disguise. Yeah, so I mean, the, the, the whole thing is not really your fault, Michael. I, and fact, it's, I blame that on Dubliners' pronunciation. I blame Dubliners' pronunciation of disguise on that rather than, you know... You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, you think that there's a whole bunch of people that have been shaped by Transformers, the animated cartoon series? Yes, exactly. In fact, that the Transformers animated cartoon series is so influential that it shaped the way a nation speaks? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. But not Transformers animated, because that's a different cartoon series. Oh, right, okay. Okay. One of the Transformers cartoons was so influential that it shaped the way an entire county speaks. Yes, exactly. Benjamin, yes. Okay. have you seen yes. any good films? Have I seen any good films? Well, you know, you know, Michael, do you know what I saw? No, I don't, Ben. Do you know what put, put me out of my bloody misery. I saw The Black Panther. Well, Black Panther. It's not the Black Panther wow. at all, is it? It's, it's, it, can, it can be the Black Panther sometimes, uh, in the same way Batman can be the Batman. Oh, okay, so he is the Black Panther. Yes, but Depending the film is called used. Black Panther. Fair enough. Ben, who good. did you see the who did you see the film with? I uh saw it with this lad um who's into MMA. Oh he, no, I've um, never heard of him. Yeah, he's um he's quite small. Um and he doesn't really keep himself in shape anymore. Glenn, um, my friend Glenn. <laughs> Jesus, Ben, that's a bit oh, much. I, I, I was talking about uh, Dublin MMA legend, um, MMA fighter in disguise, uh, Michael Leonard. Ben, why, why do you keep saying MMA so much? You're trying to get us tagged because of all of the recent MMA news. Oh, that'd be dead handy, wouldn't it? We're not, look, we're not, we're not piggybacking that to internet fame. Well, look, if the MMA wants to sponsor us, I promise not to throw any steel trays <laughs> through windows. If the <laughs> MMA... If the <laughs> if the concept of MMA would like to sponsor us, then you've shown a really deep lack of understanding of MMA and sponsorship there. Ben, talk about Black Panther, for God's sake. Um, it was very good. It's quite, it's quite um, interesting. Yeah, quite interesting. I did think the rhinos were a bit much. Spoilers. Spoilers. Ben, it's been out for nine weeks. I think we're Spo- in the clear. There is a statute, that, but I don't think we're past the statute of limitation on spoilers. Um, it's very good. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are there are some shortcomings, Michael. Oh, absolutely! It's um, far from a perfect film. It's far from a perfect film. Far, far, far from a perfect film. Who's good in it? Uh, Shuri is a wonderful character. Yes, she's um, very good. 
the general is a wonder. Actually, I found overall that the female characters in that particular movie tended to steal the show. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Black Panther is a bit of a blank canvas himself, isn't he? Yeah, he's not. Chadwick Boseman, while he's very good, I would say that the supporting cast are far more interesting. Um, I think the the breakout, or not the breakout star, but the best character in it is Killmonger. Right, without right. shadow of a doubt but even he plays kind of a pastiche of an angry african-american i don't know there are at certain times he's very one-dimensional you can sympathize with him based on his backstory mm-hmm. but he is all just snarls and smugness oh he's a bloody lunatic as well yeah he's a bloody bloody bad egg um and uh yeah i think chaduk Bozman, mm-hmm. um while very good was was not i don't know it did, I didn't ever really invest in him. Whereas I was a big fan of uh, Shuri. I had mm-hmm. a lot of time for Shuri. Shuri's and, great. Um, a lot of time for the general, whose name I can't remember. Okoye. Okoye? Yeah. Is that her name? That's okay, name. Okoye. And uh, no, oh, I'm going to get her name wrong as well. Lupita Nyong'o. Yeah, that's the one. Thank you. Lupita Nyong'o, who was also a very interesting character. I think the three of them had far more interesting character arcs. Shuri lives in the shadow of her brother uh-huh. and, you know, and tradition. She's obviously bound by Wakandan tradition and isn't a big fan of it. Yeah, she's um, rebelling against it with her funky t-shirts. Yeah. Uh, and her middle finger and, you know, all that stuff. Oh, and yeah. her little her little stunt in the middle of the ceremony at the start, you know. Oh, very hand good. Up to, hand up to challenge and say, nobody's going to challenge, you know. It's all good. Um, and then I really enjoyed kind of torn between duty and... Um, you know, loyalty to her, to the family in terms of, you know, when Killmonger takes over as king. That the, is the classic uh, bodyguard, loyal bodyguard character in a royal... Oh, no. Absolutely. Um, excellent podcasting there from Michael. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was overall... And then I think um, I think his, his uh, to-be wife, because I'm sure they're going to get married at some point, um, I think she was excellent in terms of, um, you know, understanding the broader world. She's very much a woman of the world, and she finds it very difficult to go back to her her small thinking African nation. No um, sign of her in the Infinity War trailers, although plenty of Shuri and Okoye. Perhaps, perhaps the first of the gang to uh, to oh, kick the bucket. To fall, maybe. As as I doubt it. As a as a supreme motivator. Uh, a woman in a fridge, Ben. Surely a woman not. in a fridge, by any other name. Uh, speaking of Shakespearean quotes, it's very Shakespearean as a film. Oh, okay. I, I, just, I don't remember Shakespeare talking about fridges. <laughs> no, a rose by any other name, and I said a woman in a fridge by any other name. Well, there's um, so many stories going around. No, I know, but this one seemed very Shakespearean in terms of, you know, the long-lost son and the... The challenge to the throne and all of this kind of thing. Do you remember what was even? Go on, sorry. sorry. No, no, you no, go, go on. on. Look, this I, is the I was gonna say, overly polite even, podcast. Even even more Shakespearean than Kenneth Branagh's Shakespeare uh, with Norse lads. Shakespeare in the park. Um, do you remember what you said about it when we left? Oh, you're gonna have to jog my memory. You said it was like a reverse The Lion King. I did. I did say that. I did say that. It's exactly like a reverse Lion King. Go on. Um, in terms of, um, we have to look at it from from Killmonger's perspective, I suppose. Killmonger is more the Simba in this particular case, and Mufasa is the one that chucks Scar off a cliff to be stampeded. Although not if 
Killmonger is Simba. Yeah. As but in... His own um, dad got killed. So, T'Chaka is um, Mufasa in this particular one. T'Challa is Simba. And then Killmonger is like the son of Scar. Oh, and, and Nakia, Scar is the brother. And Nakia is the, the sexy lady lion. Yes, I suppose she's she's what's her name? Nala. Nala. Good Nala. man. Good man. You pulled that one out of nowhere. Um yeah, Nala is that one. Um but yeah, you have you have all those elements of, you know, um I, I suppose if you look at what Nig Nig Nagia, is that it? Nakia. Nakia, yeah. Um she's um do you she's have, you know Do you have voice or name blindness? I, I do today, apparently. Uh, I don't normally. I do today. No, but it is very much like Reverse Lion King. You know, um, Killmonger goes off into the wilderness for many, many years. There's no Timon and Pumbaa for him. Well, um, there's Andy Circus. Well, there's the CIA. The CIA is his <laughs> Timon and Pumbaa. Hakuna Matata means destabilize the government for the rest of your days. Yeah, oh, very good. Yeah, so um, that's his kind of thing. Um, and then he comes back and he challenges. Uh, it turns out he's a real bad egg. Mm-hmm. Although I did completely understand what um, what people were saying when it when they said it was hard to root for Black Panther, it's always hard to root for the monarchy, Ben. Yeah, but in this case, if he had been a more sympathetic character, if um, if Killmonger had been more sympathetic in any form, but mm-hmm. he wasn't, um, it would have been very hard to see that throne change hands again. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, especially um, because uh, essentially, essentially, Black Panther T'Challa leads a coup. Yeah, Killmonger and wins the whole nation the, to tear itself apart. Yeah, Killmonger wins the throne fairly and squarely in their traditional rights, and then T'Challa cheats and comes back. Yep, he was beaten, and I don't know whether you can yield, but being chucked off a cliff into a coma seems like a yield to. Well, him. yeah, no yield or death; they were the rules. Also, but as soon as um, as soon as uh, Zuri um, Forrest Whitaker interfered to, uh, they broke all the rules yeah they broke all the rules and, and Killmonger won yep pretty much yeah so uh, Killmonger wasn't the bad guy uh, Black Panther was the bad guy yeah although like Killmonger him. was a lunatic Killmonger was a despot in the making but you know what's what's a, what's a good African nation without a despot eh? oh god Ben <laughs> Sorry. Robert Mugabe was one of the leading supporters of this podcast. <laughs> I hope not. Jesus. Benjamin, let's stop Get talking about Black Panther and promise not to talk about Black Panther for more little that, while. That would be the last time. It was the gift that just keep giving, but it's it's the gift that we're going to stop accepting. Until next week when we talk about uh, Marvel villains. And we need to fill some time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, what else? What else happened this week, Michael? Well, Ben... Um, I'm sure you've been keeping your ear to the ground. You've been keeping abreast of the news, and you've seen that um, Fantastic Four are coming back to the comic books. Whoop! Because they've uh, been gone. Because Marvel don't like to share their uh, intellectual don't properties. Like to share their intellectual properties. So they're coming back. Well, that was you know no one believed them when they said that they were canceling the comic books because of poor sales. Because the Fantastic Four have never been great sellers, but um, now that they are clawing the rights back, they're coming back to the comics. They can come back now. It's okay. Exactly. It's just fine. Um, and that means, Ben, that the world has gone a Twitter with, with the idea of um, integrating the Fantastic Four, the first family, uh, into the, the MCU. A Twitter, eh? 
Twitter. What a useful segue. Um, I don't know. How do you feel about that, Michael? Do you think they'd fit? Um, yes. Fair enough. Could you expand on that for me there, Chief? Oh, sorry. Yeah, podcast. I forgot. Um, yeah. Look, personally speaking, I would like... Uh, I, I can't remember. Look, I, I'm sorry for stealing someone's idea, but I like the idea of them going into space 10 years ago. Of and, course. And coming back now. Ooh, so they've missed all the shenanigans. Exactly. So they left oh. before superheroes became big and are now coming back to it. And it like it would be a nice little fresh oh. start. A nice little fresh start after Infinity War. Oh Michael, I like that. It's not bad it's not a bad idea, oh, is it? Oh I, I could get behind that, Michael. Mm. Yeah, I could get not... behind that. But Ben, oh. who would you and the internet have as the Fantastic Four? Well I think I think I think you know the answer. I do, Ben. You, this is all you. a ruse. But I think if the internet were to choose, Michael, it would mm-hmm. be uh, perhaps John Krasinski as uh, Mr. Fantastic. Very and, good. And Emily Blunt as as uh, Sue Storm or Mrs. Fantastic, although I'm not entirely comfortable with giving her that name. Um, or the Invisible Woman. Or the Invisible Woman. Or the Invisible Girl. Or, oh, well, I mean, that's depending, opening a whole new can of worms. Depending on how regressive you want to be. I think generally we're regressive without meaning to be. We don't need to, we don't need to pile onto that. Let's be honest. <laughs> women, eh? <laughs> women, eh? And their small brains. Oh God, it's not their fault. It's no, not their fault. It's very hard to understand things. Um, anyway, when we're done being a couple of sexist twats, um, yeah, th- those are the two names that I saw in a hat, um, and I actually got quite excited for it. Do you? Are you aware of um, Boss Logic? Oh, video games. No, no, he's he's not in video games, but he's he kind of does fan art on Twitter. Oh, um, no, yeah, he never he creates rather interesting, um, rather interesting kind of fan pieces or mock-ups of um, really really cool fan wants. So Dreamcast and stuff quite often get get created by him. The Sega so he, Dreamcast. No, the, not the Sega Dreamcast. Dream Dreamcasting or fan casting oh. are, is often given the kind of Photoshop treatment by him. So he created fan art of mm-hmm. um, four people that he thinks should be uh, the next Fantastic Four. So he did one of Mr. Fantastic as John Krasinski. He mm-hmm. did one of Emily Blunt as the Invisible Girl. He did one of Zac Efron as the Human Torch, which I actually thought was oh, yeah, pretty good. Yeah. And he did one of John Cena as the thing. John Cena. John Cena. Um, just dun, sorry, dun, Ben. Dun, dun. Yeah, the 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 listeners have just had an ear splitting rendition of that that I'm going to edit in. Why? Because <laughs> I'm going to what edit happened? in John Cena's theme music after you just. Oh said yeah, it there. excellent. So excellent. sorry, listeners. That was probably ear splitting. Um, but we do it. For, we do it for the laws. Here, I'll send you the the link to that now because it's it's worth having a look at. Do Ben. Do um. But yes, um, I think I can share my screen with you there, Michael. If uh, Ben, oh, look, no, look, I've, saw, I've actually seen it, Ben. You've, you've oh, taken great. this, uh, you've taken this conceit of me asking you to explain it slightly too far and forgotten that slightly I actually have seen it. <laughs> but he also came up with a wonderful Doctor Doom. Oh, Mads Mikkelsen. You know, wasn't he Caecilius? Uh, you have to help me out there, buddy. From Doctor Strange. Oh, he was. Yeah, he's already been in the. 
Oops. So that, that's that ruined. Yeah, but that's that one. I'm sticking he was... with I'm sticking with bloody Fashty B. Yeah, let's let's get Fashty B on in there. Fashty B is the best possible Doom doing an ever so slightly Eastern European accent who went to university in America and Britain and is a bit British, a bit Eastern European, and then every now and then goes, I, oh, Jesus, me bloody armor's killing me backside of me head. Because Doctor Doom occasionally went on holiday to the south of Ireland. Yeah, to Kerry. Yeah, because Doctor Doom likes scenery. Yeah. It's a whole Benjamin. thing. Benjamin. Yes. Benjamin. Um, yes. Do you remember one of our old and very popular segments? Uh, no, I don't know what you're talking about, Michael. Oh, I thought you wanted me to lead into this. I thought it was... Uh... No, I, I, don't, I don't know. I do, I do know what you're talking about, Michael, but I, I, for the sake of my ego and my pride, I, I don't know what you're talking about, Michael. Ben, he got something wrong. <laughs> and now he's going to make a retraction. It's Ben's retractions. Ben's retractions. Um, <laughs> so I don't even know what you got wrong. I just love. Uh, no, you you don't. But it was pointed out on on Reddit uh, to do with our episode European comics or don't shag a corpse. Um, at the end of that episode, unfortunately, I rather foolishly posited that Gabriel Ba and Fabio Moon were Mexican. They're not. They're Brazilian. Um, ah, ben. So they speak. As, they sp- as you've said to me off the air, it's all the same anyway. <laughs> I've never said that in my life, Michael. Don't turn me into a bigot, please. Um, and then uh, also, both of us got it slightly wrong. Persopolis and the woman who wrote Persopolis is Iranian. She's, it's a, what did it's I say? Story. We said Turkish. Oh, did I? That doesn't said, sound like something I would have committed to saying. I probably said it more than you, but <laughs> I'd like us both to go down with the ship. Thank you. <laughs> um, so that's that's this week's uh, Ben's Retractions. Ben's Retractions. Um, I'm sure, there'll be, I'm sure there'll be many more in the future, but that's that's this week's one. So ben. I'd like to apologize for that. And thank you to the listener on Reddit who pointed that out to me. What was, the, what was that listener's name, Ben? Uh, I'll have to check that. I'll get it before the end of the podcast and we'll sp- stick a, a special acknowledgement in at the end. Ben, isn't it odd that this podcast has come far enough that now people are actually listening enough so that when we do make mistakes we have to retract them they tell me <laughs> they tell me it's a dream come true really michael it's, um, it's wonderful yeah i'm gonna look it up here now but anyway what else oh speaking of john krasinski and emily blunt michael yeah yeah speaking of both those people who we're fond of mm-hmm. um they're in a great new horror movie i hear ben look i love a horror movie you do. You love a horror movie. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the British horror movie, Ghost Stories. Is that the one with Mr. Martin Freeman and that wonderful comedic actor uh, who played Johnny DeWolf in Campus? And I can't remember. Yes. But yes, what's what's going to happen in that movie, Michael? It, it seems to be it seems to be a kind of anthology of three slightly separate tales, which might twist together at the end. But okay. It, it looks like a kind of woman in black sort of. Uh, gothic-y horror but in the modern day kind of thing but it looks it looks really exciting I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it but I assume that's not the one you're talking about because John Krasinski neither John Krasinski nor Emily Blunt is in that no they're not uh, I'm talking about um, oh 
I'm going to forget the name of the film. Fantastic. Quiet Place. Quiet Place. Mm. Don't know why that escaped my attention. It's a very simple premise, Michael, for a horror movie. Um, basically, a bunch of aliens come from nowhere um, and they hunt based almost exclusively on sound. Oh. Um, so it's a bit of a Walking Dead Have kind we of seen that before? Has that scenario. ever happened before? Based exclusively on sound. Yeah. Where Where do you think it's happened before? Uh, sh- people being quiet, people putting their hands over each other's mouths, people shushing each other. That's that's every horror movie ever. Yeah, maybe that's what Michael. I'm thinking of. Maybe yeah, thinking you're thinking of, of every you're thinking of every horror movie ever. No, this one's slightly different, Michael. Um, mm-hmm. this one is is quite interesting in that uh, it centers around this man's family. So the whole family is is out and about, um, in this kind of. I suppose it's a post-apocalyptic world at this point because uh, they've taken over and they did a very effective job because as we all know, human beings can't shut the fuck up. Yeah. Um, that's, so why, all... that's why nearly everyone has a podcast. Yeah, nearly everyone. Nearly everyone. We're working on getting your good lady friend to start her own one. Yeah. Called I Look Like Jessica Jones Help. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a bloody Jerry Springer episode title. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway... The basic tenet here is this family has survived for so long because they have a deaf daughter Mm. and they communicate with her exclusively through sign language um, and so can avoid being hunted by the aliens. Not that sign language, Michael. I just received two middle fingers and two two reversed peace symbols. Oh, and a go touch yourself uh, symbol. Very nice. Very nice. Lovely. He's like a football fan. Uh, late, <laughs> late in the evening on a Saturday. It's great. Oh, um, Avi, the referee. <laughs> oh, yeah. ref, it's a foul. Oh, yeah. you. Oh, God. You wanker. So, so lifelike, Michael. Yeah. Um, I know a lot about football. But anyway. <laughs> anyway, it's has my interest because it kind of changes the jump scare. Oh, apparently. And as we all know, uh, Michael, the jump scare is kind of ah! shit. Shit, okay, thanks for that. Now my heart's going to skip about six beats. Luckily, I'm a true professional, and uh, I'm not going to let it affect me too much. Um, but anyway, oh, God, that hurt. Oh, my chest hurts now. You've, you've given Look, between, me palpitations. Between that and the John Cena music that I undoubtedly forgot to insert earlier, the listeners are going to be bloody horrified. The poor listeners, we're done. Um, but no, this one is quite interesting in that we all know that the jump scare is now the shittiest of horror movie cliches. Mm-hmm. And when you want to get a quick jump out of someone, you just you just cue it in there, and you know the human beings can't help but you know have an old jump 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 jump. Um, but this movie apparently does it in a much better way. They telegraph the jump scares. What's oh, telegraphing, Michael? So we can see them coming, Ben, in some way, in some yeah. sense. And we, I think, I think more the way they explain it is, um, and this is in an interview with the one of the cinematographers and one of the editors from from the film he says that they they build the tension in a very different way mm. um and what happens is basically you know exactly what's coming at every point but they build this through silence in a oh, really exciting. horrible kind of they don't depend on music or sharp tones like a lot of horror movies do they no don't violins. Spend, no violins no shrieking violins no no sharp sounds no low rumbling cello build nothing like oh. that um and usually, um, you see the jump scares coming, and it still scares the bejesus out of you. Well, because they do it in glimpses and snapshots. I'll have to go and give it a look then. Yeah, I think I think it might be one for you, Michael. I think, as you know, I don't, I don't, 
I don't trust with them um, myself. But uh, you're easily yeah, spooked. I think it might be one for you. I'm easily spooked. I'm like a deer. Um, Benjamin, speaking of yes. spooky things that spookify you, yes. have you have you have you seen the first episode of Legion season two? Believe it or not, I actually have. Oh wow! I have seen the first episode well, of Legion season two. I actually have no follow-up questions because I assumed you hadn't. Yeah, um, I, I, you, I had assumed I hadn't as well. I'm, I'm you, as surprised as you are. <laughs> did you Did you like it? I loved it. Thought it was amazing. Oh. Um, completely the same tone, completely new direction. It's great. They seem to be messing around with time now. They're always bloody messing with something in Legion. Um, no, again, completely uncomfortable experience watching because they throw you straight into the deep end all over again Mm -hmm. um and we've done a time jump or have we or how or how oh that's true that's true oh for him it hasn't been a time of course okay so major spoilers for legion episode episode one one, um but anyway turns out after the events of season one Mm -hmm. uh david gets scooped up inside a a little titanium time traveling volleyball not necessarily time traveling. He might have just lost a year of memories. It could have been that. But then there's also a suspicion that he hasn't lost any memories. Yeah. Um, or be. there's a suspicion that he's been piggybacked by something else mm. and doesn't have access to his memories. Look, to be honest, Ben, uh, with something this uh, non-sequential and... Um, oh, that was gross. <laughs> that was. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. That was That was not intentional. With something this non-sequential, <laughs> Sorry, and this uh, this kind of surreal, it, it's 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 folly to try and analyze the first episode. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to get anywhere by analyzing it too rigorously, um, because it doesn't want to be analyzed, Michael. Well, not yet, Ben. As not you know, yet. my my main uh, my main my personal the thing that I most disliked about Legion season one was when the surrealness started wearing off because of the necessity of having a coherent plot because it had to go linear i remember you struggled with that at the time i think we're right back to square one here though well yeah exactly it's gone mad again and it's great the west the sorry the wes anderson quality of the sets has has taken over even more so i think in season two oh the sets are great i love the admiral the the yeah the sexy men with the mustaches looking through the mirrors looking through the mirrors and that's all based on the the comic that's they're they're a version of the cuckoos from the x-men comics oh you think so i think so the and Stepford then cuckoos. the Stepford yeah. cuckoos are currently in the tv show the gifted oh are they in the gifted are they they're the flat out Stepford cuckoos three blonde ladies and actually oh, they're the best thing in that show are they yeah they, look it's worth watching ben Give it a give it now. Roll you said it wasn't over. worth watching. God damn it! No, no, look, it's it's like it's it's a bit it's a lot more generic than Legion, but it's still it's all right. It's decent. It's better than Cloak and Dagger is going to be. God, God. Anyway, highlight of of episode one. Dance for off. You. Da- yeah, exactly the same. Exactly the same. The dance off was incredible. Dance off was very good indeed. Psychic battle through dance off. Yeah, game on. Yeah, game I especially on. love that none of them are great dancers. No, and you can tell. Yeah, they're just normal blokes having a dance. It's very Scott Pilgrimy. 
in a, yeah, in a way, Jermaine Clement does his his most favorite dance, which is a low squat with his hands out in front of yeah. him, hopping forward. He does that all the time. Anytime yeah. I've ever seen that man dance, he does that move. But he's so good at it. I th- but it leads me to think that they actually choreographed the dance themselves, the actors. I'd say they probably have. I'd say they worked with with that that team of lads that they had with them and and pushed it a little bit. Yeah. Um. um Sorry, uh, the, one of the, one of the the low points for me is I think the the relationship between David and uh, what's her name? Something with in. Jim, I am Finn. No, I Plin. am name blind today. Plin. Anyway, him and his love interest is going to annoy me this season. Well, there's the future version of her, possibly. Yeah, is she missing an arm? No, I don't think so. The future version? Was she Yeah, was she missing an arm? No, I don't I didn't think so. I could watch I couldn't, it. She carefully. just doesn't she doesn't she doesn't use it at all. And for some reason I had an inkling that it was missing, but I could I could have been completely wrong there. Anyway, I think that relationship's going to annoy me this season. Hmm. Um, I, but I think that's I think that's supposed to be kind of the point a little bit. What that it's turning into a generic sappy dappy no, I mean you could see for uh, one. Probably my favorite line was, uh, "For me, I disappeared yesterday." So, from my perspective, you're the one who's changed. That was Ooh. that was great. Swish. Yeah. So I think that's going to annoy me because for some reason they've turned her into a bit of a an irrational woman character, a bit of a squib. Yeah, where all of a sudden she's like, "Oh, how could you Sid. do this to me my again?" Name is Sid. Sid. Thank you. But I, I think they've kind of... Well, obviously, as you said, first episode, impossible to to make an accurate assessment. But her character seems to be an awful lot more like the nagging ball and chain housewife I, thing where she's like, you left me, you promised you wouldn't. And it's like, clearly he was kidnapped by a steel ball. Ben, I am... First of all, earlier on you said that the ball was titanium. And second of all, I am worried that this is a reflection of your own fears more so than the TV series. <laughs> Whoops. Am I giving away too much on the podcast I again, Michael? Possibly, yeah. I think this is... Ah, oh, shit. This is an all-fair conversation. Ah, oh, shit. Okay. Look, ben, I'm sorry for holding you back. No, that's, that's, that's fine, Michael. I just <laughs> wish you'd support me a little bit more. Um, but, uh, yeah, fair enough. Uh, anyway, dance off. Jermaine Clement looking like a great addition. Really love the opening scene in the pool. Yes, very good. Uh, we're big, trapped. big fan of that. Um, and yeah. John Hamm's voice. John Hamm being the narrator. Yeah. Game on. Who will very he good. play later in, in, in the season? I don't know. I imagine we will meet him, though. His physical Jermaine body. Clement was, was the primary narrator in, in season one. So we'll, we'll see. He had his weird little monologues in season one. When we so, didn't know who he was. So, Benjamin. Yes. As I was saying there, my biggest complaint with this type of this type of uh, story is I love a bit of a bit of weirdness, a bit of non-co- a bit of incoherence. Not incontinence. You do. I'm against incontinence. I love incoherence. That's not what I've heard. Uh, very good. Very yeah. uh, likely to get me in trouble. Lad. Uh, Lad humor there. But Ben, what Lad I'm saying humor. is, is it possible to have? a surreal story without having to bend over for the needs of the narrative or Ben, just let me, let me be even clearer. Ben, what even is surrealism? (laughs) So actually, while I love our classic, what even is, I think your initial question might actually be better served in this case. Um, Is it, is it essential? um, Sorry, is 
if you commit to surrealism, is it essential to to abandon the narrative? Um, and if you go back to the roots of surrealism, then yes, yes, it is. Um, the roots of surrealism. The roots of surrealism are very, very simple. It was first. Um, Ooh. Ooh, no, not very, very for me because but, I went no, to college. But, oh, <laughs> I went to college too, Ben. Just didn't study surrealism. Do you I remember what we were talking about? World. Do you remember when we were talking about off-air conversations, Michael? Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, I think yeah. I had my own insecurities seep in there. Chip on your shoulder showing there. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So in 1924, surrealism kind of came to the fore when a, a poet called André Breton um, published uh, the Surrealist Manifesto. Oh. And the Surrealist Manifesto kind of outlined exactly what surrealists were looking to do. Um, before that, however... Isn't sorry? there a bit of an irony there, Ben, that uh, surrealists have a manifesto outlining exactly what they want to do, thereby making it not really that surreal? Absolutely. There's way, it's, it's that usual thing of, you know, when you hear about an anarchist meetup or an anarchist meeting. Rather defeats the purpose. Bit of an oxymoron, really. Um but yeah, generally speaking, um You're a moron. He Sorry, a bit slow there. <laughs> it's alright. He outlined what the Surrealist Manifesto was, and the Surrealist Manifesto is basically um overall an attempt to engage the human subconscious or unconscious mind. Um The ego. No. The id. N- no. <laughs> the the anti person. <laughs> I suppose. It's a bit closer to id. Uh, the unconscious mind in humans is a Freudian concept, uh, and Freud posited that all human beings um, have an area in their brain or a, a space in their mindscape where all their dreams, desires, hopes, and etc. swim around in a big melting pot. Um, I'd hate for anyone thing- to see that. And exactly. That's what most people would hate for anyone to see because it's where we keep all our deep, dark... Uh, desires all our weird fetishes all our you know all the weird stuff that we know that we shouldn't share with normal people um and that's the unconscious Uh for him um what the surrealists wanted to do was they wanted to create ways to engage with the unconscious mind and to bring the unconscious mind to the forefront because they believe that when they did that um they could change the world and not in a physical sense but in terms of how we think about politics and government and and things like that um so it should be noted that surrealism kind of emerges from dadaism which was created in berlin and belgium uh in the previous years previous to that um right after world war one world war one was kind of this big event for i'm lady dada okay so yeah Mick has gone off on a tangent there. The Surrealist Podcast. The Surrealist Podcast. So, uh, World War I um, kind of shook the world up a bit. Uh, Everyone was kind of reeling from the amount of horror that could be done. um, And they were trying to find a way to to stay away from that, never have that happen again. So, Dadaism was quite simply put as weaponizing nonsense. So you take all these silly concepts, you turn them into kind of a political message, and you just throw them around and try and shake up the way people think. Surrealism went further than that, and they wanted to change the way people think intellectually, not just politically, etc., etc., etc. So some of the famous people in surrealism um, are obviously Andre Breton, who you can find. Uh, Dali is probably the most famous surrealist on the planet. Um, Magritte. 
Rene Magritte was another famous one. He did the paintings of the apples and the man, the bowler hat. Uh, oh, that Which guy. you might know. Yeah. That pops up in comics all the time. Yes, they they love him. They love a bit of uh, Magritte. Um, Man Ray was a photographer who did that kind of thing. And Miro was another famous surrealist. The purpose of surrealism is to take two objects that are normally not associated with each other and kind of smash them together. Um, the purpose like of this a, was... Like a fish shooting a bow and arrow. Yeah, absolutely. Or a lobster telephone or a bicycle with a line as a front wheel. Uh, or a hammer made out of willies or a hammer made out of willies if you're a dirty pervert like michael leonard oh no Um, you've used my full name (laughs) while calling me a pervert (laughs) i'll put you on a watch list um so yeah um and the purpose of this was always to engage with the thing but some of the art that comes out of that is absolutely bananas it's bloody bananas that are also fish yeah absolutely banana fish um but luckily for us Comic books has a long and uh, quite strong love affair with banana fish. What so, are you, you know, drinking there, Ben? That's uh, peach iced tea. Oh, it looks like whiskey. Looks like a it massive does. glass looks of whiskey. Like a massive glass of whiskey. No, 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 no. I don't have to be drunk to talk about surrealism, but it helps. Yeah, um, ben, tell but, us about uh, some of these massive histories of surrealism and comic books and whatnot. So I think this, like right? one of the one of the first people that you can look at is Jack Kirby, I suppose, our, our old friend Jack Kirby. Um, Although not a personal a look, friend. Not a personal friend, no. But um, more of an acquaintance. Just more more of an acquaintance at best. Um, I think I met his sister at a wedding once. The whole thing. Josephine um, Kirby. Josephine Kirby, classic, great woman, great woman. Um, so anyway. <laughs> what are you saying it's the, it's the worst podcast ever um so yeah um jack kirby kind of had the new gods and the new gods are these very strange creations um the bright garish colors there's mm-hmm. an evil granny who runs like a, a brainwashing facility to create soldiers you know um and then you have the new gods themselves you have new gods who dress like cowboys from the old west you have new gods who dress like greek gods you have new gods um who name themselves after famous uh actors it, it's kind of surreal uh, that would be a very self after a famous actor the beautiful dreamer she comes down and names herself after uh i can't remember someone in the 60s she Marilyn there's a Monroe. really weird there's a yeah there's a really weird back issue where she oh. stalks someone from earth and kind of models herself on her i'll oh, find good. it and we'll we'll link it uh down below so um yeah that would be one of the early examples cosmic themes often play into surrealism because it's quite unfathomable you love an old cosmic horror michael i do ben i enjoy a cosmic you horror. do you love a cosmic horror cosmic horror has a lot has a lot to do with uh surrealism because it draws on stuff we can't possibly understand. And generally the monsters in cosmic horror are strange aberrations that kind of are cobbled together from other things. Bloody fish uh, men. Bloody squid-faced men or fish men that go around raping people if you're Alan Moore. Um, yeah, that kind of thing. So that's, that's surrealism. But there's a lot of it in comics, Michael. What about yourself? Do you know any surrealist comics? Ben, I don't know because I'm not really... You see, there's, comics themselves just as a medium... To someone who doesn't like comics, almost every comic is a bit bloody surreal. Yeah. People running of... around in colourful costumes with their underpants outside, punching each other to solve problems. 
disparate bloody images left, right, and center. If you don't read the bubbles, yep. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, speaking of bubbles, have you ever been? Are you familiar with the work of We Grant Morrison? We We Grant Morrison. Better. That was better. Yeah. Um, we, uh, no, that was a genuine question. I wasn't a yes, no, I, I am quite familiar. A wonderful example of a, a modern uh, contemporary surrealist writer. He loves. You would, okay, so you would consider him a surrealist then. In as much as many comic book artists are, or comic book writers can can be surreal, yes. Because it's interesting what you said there a while ago. You said that uh, the whole point of surrealism was making people rethink how they think. Yes. Well, that was... I could be wrong there, but I'm fairly certain that was the the main gist of what we went for. Yeah, well, I don't care if if, if you're... I don't care if that's what they meant. It's just interesting that you said it. Because that is kind of how... Have you ever read any of the following three things? Flex Mentallo? No. Oh, interesting. The Invisibles? Yes. And The Filth? I haven't read The Filth. Because Grant Morrison, as you know, he's a weirdo. And he is. Even in his interviews and stuff, he is a weirdo. I think Grant Morrison, who gives interviews, is a made-up character. Uh-huh. Uh, like, Alan Moore... I'm not convinced isn't a mad egg. I think bad. Alan Moore is a yeah. is a lunatic, but I think Grant Morrison is purposely being surreal as a character at all times. At all, not at all times. I'd say if you met him in real life, he's probably a perfectly normal person. But his comic book creating persona, I suspect, is part of his comic books. Right. Um, okay. Because the filth, Ben, it's bloody weird. It's a weird thing, the, the filth specifically. But he claims that the story was inspired by the time he was abducted by aliens in Kathmandu. Oh, God. Well, you see, he claims that, but I don't think we're meant to take him seriously. Fair enough. But the filth is full of bloody surrealism. It's about, basically, cosmic garbage men who take... um who take all of the wrong stuff and remove it from reality. Ah, so that's interesting. It, it, look, again, the reason that you made me think of it was what you were saying about rethinking things. The whole thing seemed to be Grant Morrison trying... Again, I don't know if it's real Grant Morrison who really believes this, or Grant Morrison... The character. The character who is essentially an extension of the story of the comic book. Okay. Because the, Grant Morrison, the character, claimed that he wrote these book, these three comic books as a way of trying to unconsciously uh, help society. Because he, he seems to have hated society in the 90s. So oh, okay. he, he he was writing these comic books to help help society get past their their 90s problems which is interesting because you said that's kind of the point of surrealism in a way yeah it's to challenge the the kind of indoctrinated way of thinking that we have about government society roles that kind of thing and that is very much what those three comics are about i I would say generally speaking grant morrison generally channels surrealism into everything that he does i suppose one of the earliest examples of real surrealism in in Early comics history would be mm-hmm. uh, Arkham Asylum, House on a Mad Earth. Where, where you're Batman? Where, yeah. Where you, do a game? The, you know, no, no, no. no. Um, 
Grant Morrison wrote uh, a miniseries mm-hmm. called Arkham Asylum Madhouse and a Mad Earth. Right. Um, and in it, Batman kind of arrives to the asylum and he has to go through the asylum and he meets different characters from his past. Um, but Batman, from the very beginning, um, kind of has... I suppose he starts to lose his memory as he goes through the asylum and he has dream sequences as he goes through the asylum and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, the idea of dreams bleeding into reality or, or um, you know, dreams uh, being a, a, a guiding principle are, are very strong themes in surrealism. One of the first surrealist movies um, was described as uh, a dream brought to screen. That was the literal tagline given to the, the film back in the 19... 19- well, I'm not going to get that right, so I'm not going to commit to it. But uh, it was somewhere in the early 20th century. Um, and dreams are a big thing. So Batman goes through the asylum and he, he kind of deals with with different people from his past and you know characters that haven't traditionally talked a lot, talk a lot and, and stuff like that. So it's very surreal in that way. Um, but as we know, dreams mm-hmm. are, are a big thing in certain comics. Uh, no, for, I see where for example, you're going. For example, favor- our personal favorite, Sandman. Uh, massive surrealist themes uh, massive surrealist themes from Neil Gaiman going out throughout that um, particularly in the character of Delirium Ben do you want to know an interesting thing about Sandman go on I can't find my Sandman comics oh. and now I'm starting to doubt if I've ever read them oh how surreal isn't that bloody how weird surreal. where are they Ben I don't know That's sh- you should find them though you have originals don't you uh yes oh, original run trade paperbacks yeah but still uh, is that impressive i don't think it's gotta it be that. worth something hang on my computer's having a fit here michael but i'm, well, I'm not gonna sell news. them i don't sell comics i don't generally sell anything that's why i have a room full of tat i well well let's not call it tat michael let's give yourself some credit jesus ben jesus. i'm just gonna go back while you're fixing your computer there you asked there earlier is the filth good yes and that's a very interesting question, Ben. It's certainly interesting, but it's a okay. very hard read because uh, Grant it's Morrison's. It's no, I mean, there's a lot, again a lot of raping. Oh, there's, a, there's a lot of horror, God. not horror, like, not it. jump scare, not jump scare, a quiet place horror, gross porn things and oh. people doing horrible things with dead cats and ah oh. grant morrison like it's it seems to be an ode to grant morrison's hatred of society oh so it's okay. very interesting that's actually good i wish i wish i hadn't written that down uh oh no i saved it forever on the podcast and um, he clearly hates society so much and this is just letting it all out he just vents it all on top of that. Is that? Do you think that's where Transmetropolitan came from? Uh, Later, I, I know that's Ma- not Grant. Ma- no, it's not Grant Morrison. It's it's Warren Ellis. I think Transmetropolitan is uh, contemporary or even oh, okay. It. Because I've always thought that Transmetropolitan, the character, looks mm-hmm. a little bit like Grant Morrison. And his whole thing is that he went off to a mountain to avoid society because he mm-hmm. hated it so much. And he gets dragged back into it. And he spends his time going around, breaking all the rules and spitting and cursing at people because he hates them so much. So just when you said it there. Transmetropolitan ended just as the filth started. 
Oh, never mind, so. Um, never mind, so. That was a completely uh, no theory. Anyway, back to Delirium and Delight yes, from uh, The Sandman. Um, it's really interesting that um, Delirium in The Sandman comics, and I think um, Delirium is a direct ode to surrealism because um, it's explained that she used to be called Delight before the 20th century. In the Victorian era, she was called Delight, and she was just um, the endless of happiness. That's what she was. She was what was people she, saw. Was she was she Turkish? Uh, she was not. She was not, um, and has no correlation with the sweet at all. Um, but uh, yeah, she then transforms into <laughs> delirium, and delirium, <laughs> delirium is the very uh, strange, crazy character that manifests little goldfish that swim around all the time and mm-hmm. stuff like that so that's delirium and it's interesting that she changes form right as surrealism becomes a dominant movement in art oh interesting ben is that, um, a, is that a comment from neil gayman no it's not that's a well it's a correlation for me but i'm sure you could probably find neil gayman backing it up no what i mean somewhere. is 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 I'm, I'm not asking the artist i'm referring to the art do you oh, think yeah. that I, that's what that is? That's what that's, oh, that's I, what, I would, is that what's going on there? I would I would think so. I think surrealism w- was a huge force um, at the beginning of the 20th century in terms of breaking traditional rules, moving away from that, and it certainly it certainly helped to shape modernism, and then furthermore um, helped the 60s. Like the 60s would not have been what it was without surrealism surrealism predating it. It was this kind of not necessarily disrespect for the rules, but an understanding that the rules don't have to be there. Um, ben, are there any comics that are genuinely, truly surreal in a non-narrative sort of sense? Oh, okay. Um, I know actually, that's thrown that at you and you haven't yeah, yeah. Um it, I think one that's really, really excellent is, is now a European comic, because you know we're fans of that here. Um, what with being European? What with being European, um, and it's Pachyderm by a guy called Frederick Peters. Oh, you talked French... about this a couple of weeks ago. Yep, I did. Um, but it's funny that you said one that's genuinely, um, genuinely surrealist, and I think that's as close as I've come to a truly surrealist uh, comic. It's not very linear. It's very hard to keep up with. It's filled with manifestations, mani- manifestations of dreams. Um, it's about a woman that's going to visit her husband in a Swiss hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, it's set right after World War Two. Um, right, go on, go on. And it's absolutely fascinating. Basically, she gets stuck in a, a, a traffic jam caused by a dead elephant, which is why it's called pachyderm. Oh, um, yes. Pachyderm, of course, meaning thick skin. Yeah. Uh, right. Is it? Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Thick skin, there we go. Um, derm is from there, der- dermal, dermal, dermatological. Uh, that, that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, thick uh, pachycephalosaurus, thick skull <laughs> dinosaur. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. So, he, she... Science! Yeah, she has to abandon her car in the traffic jam to go see her husband because she's not sure if her husband is going to be alive by the time she gets there through the traffic jam. So she sets off through the woods to get to the hospital to visit her husband. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't spoil any more than that because there's no point. Um, it's very hard to explain a surrealist comic anyway. Um, How's the give art, it a, Ben? Give it a read. The art is very nice, actually. It's not that cartoonish style, 
that you're against in a European comic. Not, bloody, it's quite, not saying I'm against it, Ben. It's no, just no, not no, my cup of tea. It's not the one that you don't like. It's it's a far more realistic style of art. Um, with some really nice... Very very similar to uh, Mike Allard, who you're a fan of. Mike Allard. Allard, yeah, sorry. Really? Um not not dissimilar to what he has. Like a more sophisticated Mike Allred. A kind of a pop um, art sort of look. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. Um, but it's a really fascinating comic. Um, there's a whole Cold War plot uh, turned upside down on its head due to the fact that it comes after World War II. Um, it's only a recent comic, but he said it at that point. Um, some amazing themes um, that challenge all kinds of things. Uh, I really recommend that you read it. Pachyderm is, is one of those great, uh, rare kind of graphic novels where it just came out as a trade paperback it hasn't been released in, in oh, comic great. form it's it's well, a work of art that's what i was going to ask it's being a european comic i assume it's a single volume complete single piece. volume yeah no single issues it is great ben do you want some salvador dali trivia go on salvador dali was supposed to play the emperor of mankind in the first attempt at making the movie june in, Get out of town. in the 70s and he, get out of town he wanted an inordinate figure I, I can't remember let's say a million but he wanted a million for his role and that was inordinate wow. at the time uh, no something no i know what it was it was like a million per day wow so the director scripted it and organized it so they would do all of his scenes in one day excellent but then it never happened anyway and oh. then that failed project uh, went on to be the inspiration for uh, the comic we were talking about two weeks ago, uh, the bloody Metabarons. Oh, okay. So Salvador Salvador Dali has his little mustachioed fingers, even in even in that. In everything. Not in everything. His, oh, his if his fingers had mustaches, that would be quite surreal, wouldn't it? It would be quite surreal because they're two objects that we're not fr- normally found together that challenge your preconceived oh, very, notion of of what goes together. Very good. Um, very good. Ben, uh, totally outside of uh, comics, really. Have you ever seen the movie Holy Motors? No, I've heard of it, but I've never, I've, I've not seen it. Um, it is, uh, excuse my French, but fucking mental. It's fucking mental. Okay. Um, it's, um, it's non-narrative. Oh, it's, it's surreal. It's Classic. really. I mean, you could pull a narrative out of it if you really, 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 really tried. But that's not what they want you to do. Well, Ben, you know, who cares what they want us to do? Who Who's they anyway? Who's um, they anyway? Oh, Michael, you're singing my tune. Who's they anyway? Who is they anyway? What even is love? Baby, don't hurt me. <laughs> um, it's, again, it's, I bloody hate it, to be honest. Because it's too nonsensical for you. I mean, the individual, it's its uh, its a French thing. It's a French film, but it's, there's quite a bit of English in it. And I think there's some French in it as well. I can't remember. I, I Fair enough. Then I understand enough French that I knew what was happening. Um, Good. But I didn't know what was happening anyway, because it was all nonsense. <laughs> but okay. even though, Ben, even though I fucking hated it, I saw it probably, let's say, five years ago, at least... And I still remember it like yesterday. Okay, so it, it stuck in the mind. It bloody really wormed its way in there. And well, then it's then it served its surrealist purpose. That's that's the a, whole point. It's to, in a bloody sense. 
It, but that's the whole point. It's it's to create craft an image or craft an object or whatever that's so striking that it challenges your your brain. And generally, when you come across something like that, it sticks. It sticks. Um, so yeah, that's the that's the whole thing. Listen, Michael, I'm afraid we're we're running out of time here, but I think we've I well, I certainly have a lot more that we could talk about in surrealism. So I think we might have to chalk this up to a part one. Yay! Um, and and revisit this because there's a there's a lot more we haven't even touched on how it influences art styles or anything like that. We've we've talked about narratives and 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 plot lines, but we haven't talked about how it influenced the art of comics, which it has probably influenced even more than it has how we write them. So mm, very this is going this is going to be uh, mustache little fingers part one. Mustached little fingers, very good. I like that, Ben. Ben, do the wrapping up bit where you tell people to do do a like. Listen, uh, if you agree or disagree with me, give us now a like all the same. Uh, I have a very fragile sense of self, and I need that boosted at all times with a little good job thumbs up. So give me a thumbs up down below. Um, ben, we're, always, we're always supposed to leave a podcast with a question, so we should say, um, what's uh, what's your favorite surrealist comic or piece of uh, piece of sequential uh, art? In all and anyways, um, if you if you don't feel like that, tell us what your favorite piece of surrealism in in popular culture or modern culture is, um, because we'd love to know. And just before we go, um, the user who pointed out my retractions um, was user Reddit user Steve underscore 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 underscore. It's a very long underscore after his name. So Steve underscore. That's uh, quite surreal. That is a bit surreal. Bit surreal. Anyway, ben, um, ben, no, hold on. I've got a real oh, cool thing to say. Hold on. Go on. That's 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 quite surreal, or is it so real? Oh God, I hate you. <laughs> 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 Bye. 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 <laughs>